Watch Tim wishes you good luck and Godspeed. Today in the studio, we have Brainjar back with us. Thank you very much for coming in and talking this through with us. It's been quite a week, I imagine. What can you tell us about the last seven days? Hey, always a pleasure to be back here. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, obviously the weekends, um, you know, spent a lot of time trying to uh, disprove various accusations made and owning up to various things that, you know, did happen in my past, providing full transparency as much as possible to the community. Um, obviously, there was like some sort of, uh, you know, mob that formed, especially before I released the statement um, and before the AMA. And so that was kind of like pretty nerve wracking to see. Um, yeah. But I think, like, generally speaking, I feel as though the community stands with us now and that there is kind of this, um, that in light of kind of, you know, all the things we've done to try to clear up the situation, that it's kind of mostly blowing over. But yeah, definitely like lots of um, conversations this week with just various people across the community and beyond, um, just like giving my side of the story and, and talking about things. Um, from like a fully transparent standpoint. Yeah, well, you know, your side of the story you know, seven days ago at this time wasn't really part of the narrative at all, right? We didn't know much about you. We just knew about the projects you were trying to bring to light here. I, I, I kind of wanted to know a little bit more about who you were going into school because we learned that you went to Yale University, right? So like the TLDR of my background is I basically my entire life since I was like 12 or 13, I was actually doing bio research. So like working at Harvard Medical School and like other places before going to college. Um, then I went Sorry, to Sorry, you, you were 12 or 13 work doing bio research at Harvard. Yeah. Is that what you said? At, I mean, I started out at this place called University of Rhode Island. Like my okay. sophomores, like sophomore, or sorry, like yeah, something around like eighth grade or whatever. At the time, I don't really remember the the years, but I was young. Yeah. Okay, okay. And I was like doing organic chemistry research, and then from there, I got like inter more and more interested. Then basically, yeah, my sophomore summer and junior summer and senior summer of high school, I was yeah. working at Harvard Medical School. How does that happen? I, I mean, I've heard of young people working at universities, but how did that happen for you? So I think I was always like very mystified by science and research and like really trying to find ways to get involved on that side of things. And like, I was always kind of like seeing kids in the news, like, I mean, not necessarily like I grew up in Rhode Island. Um, okay. Not necessarily in the Rhode Island news, but just like around. And I saw like these various, you know, having parents who worked at universities. And because of that, they were doing all this cool stuff. And like in, in as far as patents and stuff like that. And I always wanted that stuff. Um, I always wanted to get involved on a deeper level. And so I proceeded to hold email pretty much every single person on the Harvard Medical School website. Um, 
when that didn't work, I basically showed up to Harvard Medical School campus and just like pretty much snuck in and just like was knocking on doors until I actually had somebody say, yeah, sure, we'll give you like an unpaid internship. <laughs> sure. That's crazy, man. Okay. Wow. So, um, okay. So then you went to college at Yale. Did you make a shift into finance at all or were you just doing science all the way through? Yeah. So I started out like going down the science route. I did yeah. an internship my freshman summer at um, Max Planck Institute for Biochemistry in Germany. Okay. And I sort of like at that point realized like a bunch of people in research were like very disgruntled and like they kind of were just like really old um, and not very happy with where they were in life. And yeah, I kept trying to get to the bottom of like why, like, and it seemed like there was just a lot of um, sort of like lack of clarity for how to actually progress as a researcher. And it was all sort of very beholden to this like archaic academic structure. And knowing me, <laughs> structure has never really been my my thing. So I kind of just like came back and I was really like had a bit of a crisis. That's when the idea for starting this fund basically started brewing because I was like, felt like I could do well, basically yeah. doing like biotech investing because I sat on the biotech trading desk. I see. And I learned a little bit about it. And I was like, oh, wow, this is just like science. But with like stocks basically okay okay so um so just to review you know what's in that public sec filing so you decided to start this fund but technically like it wasn't a legal fund and you got a couple investors on board with some um you, you know some visions of uh, you know i guess uh making them very wealthy and then that kind of turned out to not be the case you lost some money you kind of tried to cover it up. They went to the SEC, and you ended up settling without charges for twenty five thousand. Is that kind of a good summary of what happened? Uh, that's the TLDR, I'd say. I mean, yeah, I defer to the statement, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. And you were a young man. You were twenty one at the time uh, that this whole idea uh, came about, and also fell apart. Is that right? Well, I was like, I. This was like my junior year, so I was probably like nineteen, twenty. Oh my God. Okay. Um, and then like, yeah, everything kind of went down my senior year of college, um, graduated, you know, settled, settled in the case, like around the summertime mm. and then, uh, sort of went public in the media, like April 1st of 2019. Okay. And, uh, you know, not seeking the proper counsel and not setting the fund up legally was that just a lack of knowledge of what you needed to do or was it a bit of you know like fuck the man attitude to be honest i think it was really just like um it was really just like i've always believed in proof of concepts and then mvp right we saw okay. this with mosaic right proof of concept yeah and now we're releasing the sort of like feature complete product. I think from, from my standpoint, I just saw this as nothing more than a POC. Like I didn't really think that this was anything that needed to be super serious because like, you know, I also, you know, the person that's, that's named in the case, individual yeah. A is basically was like a student 
in the law school at Yale. And so I sort okay. of was like kind of leaning on him to make sure things were like buttoned up properly and what on. I was always sort of reassured, like, yeah, this is just like, you know, like just a small thing. Let's just get, let's just do this now. And then like, we'll basically uh, transition over. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So one of the people who were investing in you were also trying to help you keep it straight, but they ended up, I guess, kind of turning on you there. Or, or, yeah, or... Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, because this individual is like works at a like law firm, and like he interesting. What didn't want his career to suffer, but like, yeah, he very much so. Like, he was absolutely instrumental. Like, without him, I wouldn't have been able to raise like any capital really. Uh huh. Um, all the initial capital was from himself and his his family. So I think like. <sighs> People always sort of like want to pin this on me and stuff, but sure, like, sure. truthfully, the, the real honest truth is, yeah, I was doing these things and I was the ambition behind it and I was the drive behind it. But right, uh, end of the day, you know, my partner was was also kind of instrumental in this too. So, what can you tell us about um, maybe some of the feelings you were experiencing during that time? I mean, having the SEC come down on you, and you know, having uh, uh, people you trusted um that's a crazy story uh turn around on you there but how did you feel during that time what can you tell us about that in end of the day it's like i mean i think like the the feeling started from it's also like just caveat keep in mind that this case started around you know 2018 this is pre me even graduating yale right so i'm a senior in college I haven't, I like literally nobody else knows about this situation aside from my, my partner, not my parents, not my friends, not my family, like okay. nobody. Sure. So um, you're alone in, in this so far. Yeah. So initially I was like, okay, this is a prank call. Then it wasn't a prank call. Mm -hmm. Then I realized it was super serious. Then I like started freaking out and, you know, we were supposed to be represented together and then you know, okay. kind of like, you know, got led on and eventually <laughs> my partner's counsel said, oh yeah, we're not going to represent you guys together now. Like Omar, you need to go find your outside counsel now. Ouch. Okay. And so by some grace of God, like I was able to hire Brad Bondi, like Elon Musk. Like I didn't know of this at the time, but He's Elon Musk's lawyer, or he was Elon Musk's lawyer. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. So, uh -huh. pretty much like, and and he's the type of guy. He's like it's such a. He's he's like a, definitely a character. Like he's very much. Um, yeah, he's he's just like a really great guy, and I think we just like really um, vibed on a personal level, and I think that was like super helpful to go through this process with him, and like. Yeah, I definitely owe like many owe my life to him in many ways, just like given how yeah, I mean, what I felt was alone. I felt anxious, I couldn't sleep, I was like super mm. concerned. Um nobody in my friend group knew. Like I was starting to like leave conversations. I kind of disappeared at one point. 
um, yeah. because I was like super, just like ashamed of myself. Really, I didn't really want to disappeared off disappeared off the map. Like you, I kind of went went a wall. Yeah, like no one knew where I was for like a month. Um, yeah, and yeah, like I was just really not in a good place to be honest. And how how long did it take you to recover? Like how long did it take until you respected yourself again? Well, I think honestly, the, um, to be honest, I think it was like long lasting, uh, yeah. effects. And I, I do feel like the, really when I had the opportunity to start building again, that's kind of when I like kind of got out of this hole, like to be very mm -hmm. frank, I, like between 2019 between 2018, when this started happening, and yeah. 2020, like early DeFi summer situation, uh -huh. I don't really remember those years of my life. It's just like so much anxiety, so much like financial troubles, like maxed out my credit cards. Yeah, yeah. Had no like access. Something I didn't say in the AMA, you know, that I've told other people like confidentially is like, yeah, there were times at the beginning of 2020 when COVID started happening and in New York, um, you can, they had these like rent freezes, which was super helpful for me because I couldn't pay rent. Um, yeah. And then there was like free food, lunch, which was just like a cheese sandwich, some crackers and like some juices and stuff like that, that they were handling, handing out like three, four blocks from my house. And I would go there every day and hmm. and get pick that up and go home and that was my meal for the entire day. So yeah. I, I lost a lot of weight, <laughs> which mm -hmm. uh was was good, but yeah, it was just like difficult and didn't really feel like I could reach out to anybody for assistance was the whole like shame component. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um yeah, I, I, I'll just say that I can relate to that. I had a, kind of a colossal career failure uh, when I was 25. And yeah, it took about two years to, to recover from that. Um, well, maybe I'll cut that out, but yeah, I can relate to that. So when did you adopt this brain jar persona then? Yeah, so basically like early 2021, um, I saw an opportunity. Because like full transparency, what I had been doing to survive like yeah. all these years was, and that's why you'll see my name pop up in various like random ICOs or whatever as an advisor. By the sure. way, these ICOs never, <clears throat> never raised. I wasn't involved with any of those raising processes, whatever. Like I have no idea what happened there. Quite literally, yeah. I just wrote their white papers. So I was okay. writing. Did I was, you believe in their? Did you believe in their visions and their ability to execute, or were you just kind of like a hired writer, or or what was that? I was just a hired writer. Like that's, that was like, that was the situation. I just like, people knew me around the space. as like somebody who could write some really cool shit. But like at the same time, as I was writing stuff, I was basically designing the protocols <laughs> at the same time right. too. Right. And just telling okay. them you guys should do it this way. You guys should do it that way. Yeah. So DeFi summer happens and I'm like, mm -hmm. okay. Um, I started like, you know, doing all this farming and like doing all this stuff and it was great. 
but then I realized like all the stuff I was talking about for years was now starting to get implemented. And I was like, damn, I wish I was out there doing this. Um, and then the whole, like when zero X Maki was a non, I started noticing that there was a whole bunch of anons. I was like, okay, maybe I have a chance here to get judged on my merits on to do this fundraise, get a team together and execute. And so that's kind of what happened March, like 2021. So March, 2021. And then a few months later, you were raising money for composable, right? That's right. Yeah. And at that time you, you, you remained anonymous, which is not abnormal in the space, but you were raising money anonymously, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And what was it that made you start to come out to your investors? Well, I think <clears throat> we were at a, like, we were at a crossroads, I think, where we've reached a point for Composable that <clears throat> I saw what we're building is like now the beliefs and the hearts of the ecosystem of Dotsama is now like yeah. heavily invested in this. Um, okay. As like a, if Composable succeeds, Dotsama succeeds type of vibe. And I didn't want to let anything associated with my past cloud, not only the success of Composable, but the success of Dotsama as a result overall, which is like <clears throat> disingenuous to some other projects in the space, whatever. But like, I fundamentally believe like if you have a, a strong parachain in the ecosystem, that the whole ecosystem rises. 100%. Yeah. And okay, so, so you started to clear your name. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. So I started to mention this to people and I, I was building out this broader rollout strategy for how to talk about this to the public because also okay. like it's not, it's not great. Like, you know, it is a fact that projects with, you know, doxed founders um, have more traction in the long run. And I think that sure. that is like the truth. And so I had already been thinking, okay, like how do we dox me and how do we do it, do it in the right way? And so that's, yeah, that was transpiring. Uh, but it was pretty early. I mean, I think there was members of your team who, who didn't know uh, this time last week, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. And it, so... I feel I feel like some retail investors like they feel kind of burned for not knowing, but can you give us any idea about kind of the timelines you were thinking there, of 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 getting fully out, or or was it just really really early in that process? It was really early in that process. Like I had taken, you know, parts of late January or like most of February to like have conversations with investors. Okay, so um, weeks. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. And then, like, I was hoping that, like, basically the timeline in my mind was, like, all these, in the midst of all this stuff that I would, uh, you know, sort of, like, talk about it before, before shipments of things, basically. So that was kind of the, the timeline because I, I knew that, like, if, if I had pulled retail, for instance, when the token's out, then media would have scooped that up and found a way to spin it negatively. And so like, I was also thinking about ways to like, you know, talk to media and like actually give my side of the story properly. 
before right. someone could spin that narrative. So this was a complex process. Um, and it was just like the truth, like the honest truth is that I'm up every day from 4 a.m. to 10 p.m. Like nice. shipping stuff, trying to work with everybody internally to ship the stuff for Composable. And like, I don't think people really fully grasp like how much I'm actually tied up on stuff. So like uh, something like this complex of a process was going to be, it had a timeline on it and it was definitely not like a fast one at that. But are you saying that you were hoping to be fully out before tokens uh, were on sale? That was kind of my intention. Yeah. Um, that was, uh, or at least like, you know, tokens could have come out and I could have then, you know, worked with various groups to communicate and like, our, you know, our, you know, our own internal communications, et cetera, to, to actually present my narrative properly to the ecosystem. But again, like there was many different arguments for like before or after. And so like, yes, these were things, these were things we were just like figuring out, um, by we, I mean me, <laughs> Yeah. It would have been a lot easier if uh, people saw the success of the project first, though, eh? Yeah, that's basically, I was tending towards that. Um, mm -hmm. Right. So, so, so how um, did you have any pushback from VCs or members of the team? Like, did you have any, anybody react badly? It was mostly going okay. I mean, to be honest, as I told people, they would figure it out on the call that I was having with them. And, you know, they like, because I wasn't, you know, I, I wanted to afford people the ability to come to their own conclusions and, you know, within, yeah. within that call, they would like, you know, see the stuff online, which is like very much misconstrued. Um, but we then sort of talk through it and everybody would be okay. I mean, and I think to be honest, people were okay with it because I was able to own my narrative properly and right. tell them about it, but also like, I don't think anybody can deny that I'm not like that. I'm not really, I'm in this for like this, this, like the tech, but on such a deep level that people can see that I have a real passion for like, not only what we're building, but for dots on as a general ecosystem. And I think people at this point, um, see us as like a new adrenaline shock to the ecosystem. And, uh, yeah, I think that's like very much so why everybody was okay with it because we don't, yeah. we don't come from the same paradigm of thought that other Dotsama projects come from. Like we haven't been around mm -hmm. since 2017, 2018, like we're, we've been around for since 2021. <laughs> uh, so we have yeah, all this new energy. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's true, Ranger. We we want you to succeed for sure. So you you have this team. You you you're always saying this forty plus team. Does does that include the incubated projects as well, or is that just the core composable team? That's just the core composable team. Wow. Okay. Interesting. And um, you guys are still hiring. Uh, you're having no problem hiring in the last week still. Yeah. No. I mean, people are still applying. Like, it's not nothing's really slowed down there. To be honest, I, I think the like. Um, yeah, that's like, that is the most encouraging thing, to be honest, is seems like the image as far as people wanting to work on the project has not been tainted.
Nice. I, I got a few questions. I was fielding questions for this interview from uh, from the public. Some some people. I, I think we could use some clarity around the whole bribe mercenary DAO thing. I mean, the language you guys use with it, you know, war and things like that. Um, it's aggressive. You know, maybe in, it's aggressive, and in light of in light of what's happened, maybe we could clear that up a bit. Uh, because it's what you're building is certainly a powerful tool to shape the ecosystem around what you're building, which which I think is fine. But but if we could just kind of cover the mechanism there, so Bribe has pools of governance tokens, and these aren't pairs, right? It's just one side. It's just like just Ave or Stakave. Yeah, that's right. Single sided, and and basically like so there are like definitely moral issues associated with bribery for governance right like i do think okay. every, everybody can acknowledge that however like i fundamentally see that as just like trying to shake up the narrative and point out a problem and the problem yeah is you're that, putting a cost on the problem right yeah i mean fundamentally like every ave proposal has six to ten addresses voting yay on it hmm. um and that's just like super broken. And I don't really see how we can run around saying that governance is how we do things in DeFi when it's just like very much so like a clouded situation, right? Introducing things like bribe, like, yeah, sure. The Ave pool votes, you know, in yay or nay together as a behemoth, but, or as a monolith or whatever, just a single yeah. pool basically. But the idea fundamentally is like by doing that, you have a bunch of addresses who have contributed Ave and overall the overall participation triples or quadruples at least, right? Is there room in the future to have kind of like different factions? Like could you have like coalitions within the same uh, within the same protocol? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I think like the the general thing we want this to be is like as open as possible, right? Like I mean I think for instance, um you know, this is a perfectly example by, for instance, how Votamac works and how uh, Redacted is working with Votamac. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, Redacted accumulates a bunch of toke, fine. But then instead of directing that toke based on how people are bribing or based on how people are voting, they're just sticking it into the pools and then having people bribe those pools. But you still need an initial distribution of toke across the pools before bribing can even happen. And that's, uh, that's still somebody saying, hey, Redacted, can you please mm -hmm. give us this amount of token and we'll slide you some USDC under the table. Sure, sure. So this is, an, this, is, this is just to have more transparency. Like even those six who are always voting on Aave, they could bribe this pool as well, right? 100%. Anybody can bribe the pool of Aave. It's like fully open. You could go in right now and bribe $10 and control like that amount of Ave staked in the pool, yes or no, basically, on any proposal. Oh, so so you could have multiple bribes in a single pool. It's uh, not just winner takes all. No, no, no. It is. It is. It does end okay. up being winner winners takes uh, winner takes all. But the point is, like anybody around the planet can can submit bribes, and as long as they're the highest bid, then they can direct those votes to to a specific proposal, either yes or no. So that's clear. So if we just move to the, the mercenary DAO part, you guys are in mercenary DAO, you're incentivizing in some way, explanation coming soon, uh, for people to stake their governance tokens in the mercenary DAO. And then what does the mercenary DAO do? Is the mercenary DAO just supplying the pools or is the mercenary DAO using those governance tokens outright 
just on their vote. Yeah, so the idea here for Mercenary DAO is like, I really see in the future there being a massive, like, power. there are already power struggles, like, across Sushi, across, yeah. like, all these other DAOs, and none of these protocols that these people actually partner with, like, do they actually own any tokens of, the, of their partner protocols? Like... Hmm. Who's to say tomorrow, right, that some XYZ protocol partners with, like, say, Axelar or Layer Zero or, like, some other competitor, right? It's like, okay, bro, so please transparently how that decision was made versus, like, some other, like, cross-chain product such as Composable. And for me, like, I know that other protocols are more... um, are doing this type of like schmoozing and boozing situation that I'm not doing okay. uh, because I'm building. Mm-hmm. And so mercenary DAO for us <clears throat> will release the actual model, but mercenary DAO for us is people basically, you know, we mercenary DAO accumulates tokens associated with protocols we want to partner with, with yes. the end result then being that those tokens get put into bribe and then we then still need to pay for those votes so we still yeah, would, okay yeah we still would bribe the pool to direct yes or no and if axelar wants to go come in and bribe no on a proposal that says partner with composable they're totally free to do that wow okay so why why why, why don't you just use the tokens yourself why why why, why make it why why make it public like that? First of all, because I think there is going to be a cross-chain integration war soon, and I think that makes that's a bullish case for bribe. Um, okay. To like become the entry points for protocols wanting to create partnerships with other pro- uh, other protocols. Yeah. But also because like too like yeah I'm not trying to I don't want to fall into the category of like other protocols where they schmoozed and boost specific team and then like now they're doing an integration. It's like bro like we're we're past that now. Like I understand how business works. Yeah. But like surely in DeFi we could have things reported on chain. You know. <laughs> okay. Wow. Wild. Okay, um maybe just to wrap up brain jar uh, you can Tell us, you know, what's the next four weeks look like uh, as far as rollout for Picasso? Everything is completely full steam ahead. Um, the uh, thing up an audit at the moment for Mosaic. We want to ship Mosaic um, first. Um, sort of like will be some kind of like gated release. Um, and then like one week later or some period of time later, like once everyone's assessed that, you know, we're, we're good to go, there's good volume, the bots are working, you know, everything like that, then we'll go on to like a full rollout of Mosaic plus our SDK, which would be the first use case of people doing function calling uh, mm. pro- cross chain. So like deposit collateral on one chain, take out a loan on another. Wow. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of the initial rollouts and then thereafter, like then the whole Picasso stream. So we do like, you know, I don't want to go into too much detail about like what's happening, but of course, you know, you already know about Pablo, you already know about the Pika TGE. Um, 
we want to make sure the Pika TGE is fairly priced, obviously. So, you know, we'll be allowing the Mosaic palette um, to allow for, you know, USDC to get bridged over. We're doing an LBP for, for Pika. Yeah. So that'll happen as well to basically set the price for Pika before it trades on Pablo. And so we're really going, like, you'll start to sort of see the formation of this like, over the next coming weeks with Apollo as well, with our developer documentation. Um, and then, yeah, thereafter, like, there's a whole matter of fact this week, we spent a lot of our time road mapping out the new stuff, XCBM, the routing layer, the Polkadot stuff, because we then have to, of course, onboard on Polkadot as well. Yeah. And so all that stuff is definitely stuff that's going to be coming soon. Amazing. Well, it'd be great to get you back in a couple months just to get an update on everything that's happening. Thank you so much for coming in and, and sharing more of your story with us today. I hope, um, I hope it gives our audience some more context into who you are and what your intentions are. I just wish you all the luck over the next few weeks and uh, ship or die. Yeah, ship or die. Thank you. Thank you.